From the Asset Builder headquarters in Dallas, Texas, welcome to Keep It Simple, a show that discusses simple techniques and philosophies to help de-stressify investors around the world. I'm your host, Jared Herzog, and welcome to the show. Today, we're learning from our esteemed veteran registered investment advisor, Adam Morse, and our human economic database and fearless CIO, Michael French. Today's topic is a listener request, and we're talking about 529s. We thought it'd be a great idea to go through and parse out a lot of the information surrounding 529s and answer a lot of questions that Adam and Michael often get about 529s. So now 529s can get pretty complicated. There's a lot of rules and regulations with 529s and they often change too. So we're going to talk about that and also kind of give you an idea of whether or not they might be a good idea for you and your family. Stick around to the end where we pit Michael and Adam against each other and test their knowledge of 529s. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in each and every week. We really appreciate it. Please send in your comments or suggestions for episodes at podcast at assetbuilder.com. All right, without further ado, let's get to the show. All right, good afternoon, gentlemen. How are y'all today? Jared, I am fantastic today. Absolutely fantastic. And I think one thing we can all agree on is that college is egregiously expensive. Don't you oh, wait, dare. That's Jared. Don't Darn you it. dare. Oh, okay. Then I'm doing well as as well. I am also <laughs> doing as well as... I'm doing great, Jared. How about yourself? Michael's making fun of me because I wrote a semi-script out for them because I don't trust their answers on this uh, particular <laughs> subject. So. You mean <laughs> what have we been doing Texas. since the last time we talked? <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, I've been working. Also, we had a uh, spring break, so took the kids out to the lake, had some fun, good times. That, How about you? Was Adam? y'all's was y'all's last week or the week before? Ours was last week. We okay. were a week after you guys. Okay, yeah, ours was a couple weeks ago, so that was fun. Um, took some time with the family, and you know, it was a little bit interesting. Just you kind of get used to having them out of the house at least until like two fifty every day, so. You know, it was a it was a readjustment. Took me back. My kids just started kindergarten this year, so it took me back to early quarantine when everyone was home every day, all day. Mm-hmm. But it was fun. It was good to get some quality time with them and you know, let them kind of decompress. But everything's back to normal now and just busy with work. Michael, was that uh Lake Travis? Uh Lake LBJ, I believe. Oh. I've never been there. Not happen either. Uh, in Austin, we've got an interesting lake situation because some of them are constant, uh, constant volume. So they they keep the water, you know, at a constant level. Uh, lake Travis fluctuates, so uh, okay. there's it, it probably affects. I would imagine actually affects the price of the house. Uh, we were staying uh, at a, a friend had gotten a, uh, or we and a friend uh, together got a Airbnb uh, from somebody that we know. But it's it's on a lake where there's a constant level, so you know you know that, there's going to be water there. Yeah, you know that you're not going to have a you know seven mile hike down to the lake. Um, <laughs> That's a lot better for the kids. Hey, kids, we're at the lake house. All right, get your hiking boots on. We'll go <laughs> Off for a we swim. go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it was also it was it was a little bit chilly, so it wasn't wasn't like we were you know hey let's jump in the water every day. Right. What about you, Jared? Did you do anything fun? Uh, I went to a, a Civil War battlefield called Shiloh in Tennessee 
as nice you know well for for listeners you all should know jared is probably the biggest civil war enthusiast like not not enthusiastic about the civil war uh, enthusiastic (laughs) about the history of the civil war yeah he knows you know a lot about it you're always like i know the background on your laptop is civil Mm -hmm. war related so i'm sure that uh what was something you learned on that trip that you didn't previously know oh man the battle of shiloh is a really neat battle because it was all in a forest so it, it was a long drive into this deep wooded area and so the whole the whole battle is just very very cool and it's very sectioned out because it's in a forest so there's just trails and you can see exactly where people marched and the interesting thing is you're in sort of woods and then all of a sudden you'll walk out and it's just a huge open clearing where they have the um the battle lines 100% marked with the cannons there and it has like drawings and depictions what you would see if you were standing here it was that's it was surreal just, it was jaw dropping and you can it's one of those places this is going to sound a little hinky but it's one of those places you can kind of feel it there i don't know how yeah. else to describe it but yeah. um man that's it was crazy yeah i've been to gettysburg cool. and i i know the feeling you're talking about it's just crazy to it's like in america we you know relative like you go from like the uk and they've been around for Mm-hmm. A millennium, right? So you can see right. things from 1250 or 1380 or something, mm-hmm. get a sense for the history. But America, you know, the Civil War is one of the few places like that that we have that a massive historical event that you can actually go and stand there and relive it. So, no, I, I know what you mean. That's awesome. Yeah, it was fascinating. Sweet. Yeah. So, anyway, we don't really have a natural segue into what we're talking about. Yes, so we, we totally can, uh, do. Spring break has totally changed since we were in college. Oh, good one. That's awesome. So since the 20s, Michael? <laughs> That's funny. Nice. I was actually, during spring break, I fought in the Civil War. What are y'all talking about? <laughs> I'm always here for some some age some age discrimination between Michael and myself. <laughs> always a big fan of age discrimination against Michael. Yeah. Uh, so what are we talking about, Jared? So today we're talking about 529. So I'll give a quick intro and then we can get into this. Y'all good with that? Yep. Sounds good. All right. So one thing we can all agree on is that college is egregiously expensive. For example, since 2008, the cost of attending a four-year public college has outpaced inflation by an average of 3.1% per year. This increase reflects a longer-term trend in both public and private education. Many parents start college funds at an early age to help pay for tuition, and a 529 plan helps them do just that. So quick question off the top, Adam, do you guys use a 529? So today we do not. Um, I mean, I already mentioned, so my, my oldest kids, I have twin girls that are six. Um, so we're a bit away from it, but I don't, now it doesn't mean we're not saving for their college, but I have made the intentional decision to, for the time being, just pretty much like a brokerage account approach. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I could spend an hour, I could do an entire podcast on, kind of my views on the institution of, you know, higher education and kind of where that's going. Um, Who knows what it's going to look like? You know, we just had a year long process Mm -hmm. of kids paying full price for remote learning. And obviously there's a massive debt issue that as a country, we really have yet to, I think, stare at and kind of wrap our arms around and address. So I'm just not, I don't know what the landscape's going to look like by the time my kids get there. So I just want to keep my options open. Obviously, 
still saving, still intending to be prepared, but not exactly sure what the landscape will look like. So at this point in time, I don't personally use them, but of course, in my years of, of doing what I do have, you know, tens, if not hundreds of clients that I've walked through the process of tracking down a 529. So I'm quite familiar with them. Michael. We do actually, uh, they were originally something that we started, uh, when kids were very young, uh, I share some of Adam's thoughts around, you know, if you've got kids who are extremely young, is it the best approach to take, uh, just given kind of the uncertainty of what school will look like in the future, um, et cetera. But we do, we do have some set up for our two oldest kids. Interesting. Yeah, that'd be an interesting conversation between both of you to see, you know, contrast your ideas about 529s, you know? Like, is it good for some people and not good for others? But let, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves. So. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely one of those things Michael and I have talked about before, just, you know, offline, obviously. And, um, I think we have a lot of similar ideas, but also differing. And also, I mean, like he said, his kids are, you know, his oldest, his daughter is on the doorstep. So Mm -hmm. it's fairly reasonable to assume that the lay of the land is going to be the lay of the land, at least for his two oldest. So no, it's definitely an interesting kind of topic though, to to kind of parse out. All right. So we will, uh, we'll give you guys a short overview of what a 529 plan actually is, uh, its benefits, and then get into how Texas administers 529s. So, Michael, let's start. Uh, what is a 529 savings plan? Sure. I mean, the simplest, it's, it's pretty simple. Um, it's just a savings plan that's tax advantaged, uh, and it's designed to help you save uh, and pay for education. So it's called a 529 because it was created and authorized under the Section 529 of the Internal Revenue Code. Um, that's how we come up with a lot of these names, surprisingly. Um, and so it's it's basically designed to help you save so that you have tuition to pay for your education. One of the things that we should mention, a lot of this information that we're getting uh, is going to have been provided us provided to us by DFA, by uh, other sources. Um, always want to make sure that people know that they have we have links down in the the notes section uh, so that you can get there, get that information down there. I think one of the questions people ask is, well, who can set it up? Uh, and so any U.S. adult, or I should say any adult um, that's a legal U.S. resident can open an account with state 529 saving plan and contribute money on behalf of a named student uh, beneficiary. So that could be a child, a grandchild, a family member, a friend. You could even do one for yourself. Um I think one of the things that's uh, interesting is that you can't do it before, you know, you have children, so you can't, which is good, but you can't just create one and say for a beneficiary to be named later. Uh, it does have to be for a very specific individual. Very good. And so 529s obviously accrue earnings over time. Adam, break down how earnings and withdrawals work in a typical 529 account. Yeah. So it's, it's a really good question. Um, so the, the easiest way I would kind of make that give you an answer is in terms of how the, the funds are treated within the account, it's very similar to to an IRA or any other tax advantage plan. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 
Um, the earnings in a 529, they accumulate tax deferred and they're exempt from federal tax. And also, I should say, in some cases, state tax as well. When the funds are withdrawn to pay for qualified higher education expenses. So meaning there's a list of approved line items that you can use the funds to pay for at an accredited university, trade school, or technical school, that if you use the funds on those things, then you do not owe any tax on the earnings or the principal, obviously. So that's the main advantage of a 529. Uh, now, beginning in 2018, account distributions, they can also fund up to $10,000 per year in non-higher education, so K-12 through um, tuition or costs at public, private, or religious schools. So that's, that's the meat and potatoes of the benefit. Why do you want to invest in a 529 as opposed to, like I said earlier, just in a regular brokerage account? Well, it's because if I follow the letter of the law and I, I spend the money on the right things, I can essentially invest and then owe no on the growth from that investment right um now i think something i always stress to folks i talk about something that our listeners should really be aware of if you withdraw funds and use them on non-qualified expenses right and that's something that anyone that's managing or using a 529 you should make sure you have a good handle on what the qualified expenses versus non-qualified expenses are but mm -hmm. if you use the funds on non-qualified expenses, then not only are they taxable as income, right? So the money that you took out, you're going to have to add that to your earned income for the year and pay taxes on it. But it's also most likely going to be subject to an additional 10% federal income uh, tax penalty. So just something to really be aware of. That's why when you invest in a 529, you want to be reasonably sure that's what the funds are going to be used for because you're you're really signing up. Um, for that purpose only, unless you want to be paying a 10% penalty. So, um, you know, there are other considerations with 529s and how that money can and cannot be used. We'll get into more of that here later in the episode. Um, but I think that's, that that's the crux of it. Very nice. So Michael, let's define this a little more, uh, succinctly. So what are the big benefits for 529 plans? Just to re reiterate what Adam just said. Uh, the biggest one, of course, is that they're tax advantaged. That means that uh, when you take the money and you put it in, uh, that money is money that you don't have to pay taxes on. Um, the money then grows and you have tax-free distributions uh, as long as those distributions are used to pay for qualified expenses. Mm -hmm. um, so that that simply means that you don't have part of your earnings that are going out the door to the government. Um, they're just going for education. Mm -hmm. um, I think another big benefit that people uh, generally are excited about is that you have a lot of control. Um, if you, for instance, uh, kid goes to school and gets a full scholarship the first year, uh, you don't need the money, um, but then goes on to grad school and all of a sudden you need the money. Uh, that money is available still. Uh, it's continued to grow as a matter of fact. And so as long as the money that you're using is for education related expenses, you're going to have a lot of control over the distribution stream. And that's useful to people. Uh, I think the other thing that's nice is we, we say that they're transportable. Um, 
and you can just, you know, you live in Texas, maybe you want your kids to go to school in Texas, uh, but maybe, I don't know, for whatever reason, uh, they want to go to school in Georgia. Uh, you've got relatives there. They've always grown up and thought they wanted to go back. Maybe that's where you're originally from. Uh, a 529 plan doesn't doesn't have limitations on, you know, you have to use it here. And then uh, I think another benefit is that there's there's investment options. So um, you can't you can't day trade out of the account. There are some limitations on um, how often you can trade, but there are um, usually investment options within the account so that you can, uh, you know, when you think about it, you can, as a investor, kind of have a risk capacity uh, where you could look at it and you could say, well, I'm willing to be more aggressive with this account because, um, you know, a higher equity allocation, let's say, uh, because, mm -hmm. If I had to, I could make some of these payments myself. Uh, but if this account does really well, then my kids are basically going to go to school uh, on this money. And so it's just it, it gives you some flexibility as an investor uh, to determine how you want to invest that money. All right. So let's talk about Texas. Adam, what type of college saving plans uh, does Texas offer and how can they enroll? Yeah, so Texas has two uh, plans. Like a lot of states, there are, are a couple different routes. Um, and just as a resource for our listeners, uh, I would recommend checking out savingforcollege.com. Some of this information was put together by Catherine Flynn over there, and it's really helpful for, um, you know, just just some educational pieces and, and, you know, ways to fill in the gaps that you might not already know. But specific to Texas, uh, Texas has two different 529 plans. One is called the Texas College Savings Plan. And one is called the Lone Star 529 plan. So the main difference between the two, the Texas College Savings Plan, it's a direct sold 529 plan. So that can be opened online. It can be done by any individual. Um, you know, if you've got the money to fund it, you've got a beneficiary for the account, you can go open a Texas College Savings Plan right now. The Lone Star 529 plan, it's an advisor sold 529 plan. So it's only available through a licensed financial advisor. Um, now, I, I should say at Asset Builder, this is something that we do. Um, and I would also just add, I think this is, you know, in in at least in my experience, where folks get the most kind of tripped up and there's kind of this, this confusion in general surrounding 529s, mm -hmm. it's, it's this piece of it, right? So like with an IRA or a, a trust or a joint tenant account, whatever, your, your usual investment accounts, you can just go open them. Now you can open them at different institutions, whether it be Schwab or Ameritrade or Merrill Lynch, whatever. But you as the individual, right? You got your social security number, you got a date of birth, you can go open an account. Well, a 529, you know, people just come ask me, hey, can I open a 529? And it's it's a lack of understanding about how they are state sponsored, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you can't just open a 529 at Schwab or whatever. You have to go. You have to go through the proper channels. So you have to go through the the state sponsored plan. Um, and the reason for this is because the, you know when people say, "What does that mean?" They're state sponsored. Mm -hmm. I, I think what that really means is the state is responsible for putting together the investment options within the plan. Mm -hmm. Now you you still have freedom, as Michael said, they're controllable. You still have freedom 
within those 529s to select the investments that you think are proper and that give you the right risk profile. But you're you're selecting those investments from a, a preset menu, so to speak, that the states have put together that in you know, in their wisdom and, and their judgment have been deemed acceptable for this process. So I think that's kind of just something to be aware of. Uh, if you're interested in going down this route is you know, you're, you're going to be going through a state. Now, we've already mentioned you can be a resident of Texas. Doesn't mean you have to use Texas's plan. You can live anywhere in the U.S. and use any of the U.S. state's plans based on, you know, which one's best for you because they all have unique kind of um, quirks and, and rules and regulations. And um, you just, it's all about doing the research and finding which one's best for you. That's interesting. I wonder why they would do it that way. It seems strange to me that you can use any states. I guess that's just weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I mean, it, it's a little clumsy. It definitely makes it, yeah. um, you know, as advisors, we, we like control because that's where we add value, right? Like ultimately anybody can go open up an account and buy mostly anything in the universe of investments today with the internet, right? So where we add value is saying, well, that's fine and good. You can have the ability to sit down and look at 10,000 different ticker symbols, but which 10,000, right? Of these 10,000, which one should I pick and how much of each? And yeah, there's a lot to dive into there. So for someone to take that out of our hands, it's a little bit frustrating, but you know, I, I think it's the thought process they would probably tell you is it's, it's about welfare, right? They want to make sure that mm -hmm. anything that's being done in this vein, given that these are usually state schools, so on and so forth, they want to make sure that we're not getting too crazy within these 529 plans. We don't have derivatives and, you know, um, that kind of thing going on in these types of accounts. Absolutely. But it certainly, it certainly makes for a clumsy process. So we already talked about uh, benefits, Adam, but Texas has some estate planning benefits. Uh, can you expand on that a little? Yeah. So one of the ways that I think these accounts can be helpful um, is from an estate planning kind of viewpoint and a, and a, a tax management standpoint um, with kind of the benefits of the 529 itself being kind of ancillary uh, for the beneficiary. So 529 plan for any individual Okay, the there's a fifteen thousand dollar limit. Anything up to fifteen thousand dollars qualifies for the annual gift tax exclusion. Obviously, if you're doing this as a married couple, that's thirty thousand hmm. dollars. Now, one of the things that five twenty nine plans allow for. Okay, so the way to think about that is you're you're capped at fifteen thousand dollars per individual to contribute to a five twenty nine plan. So let's say that we have a set of grandparents. Right. And let's say that they have five grandkids. So that's $15,000 per grandparent per grandkid. So $30,000 per grandkid mm -hmm. per year. Now, one of the unique things that, that you can do with Texas 529 plans is you can front load them, meaning you can put up to five years worth of that limit in the 529 at any time if it behooves your tax situation. So if we took that to the extreme, that means that these grandparents should put in $750,000, mm. right? At one, at one chunk into these accounts, if it behooved their, their tax situation. And what that does would that be mean exactly like what is behoove your tax situation. So that money that goes in is deductible from income, right? So they could put in seven hundred fifty thousand dollars 
if they wanted to, and this take it to an extreme, right? But mm-hmm. you could then deduct $750,000 from that year's income. Now, you're essentially borrowing that deduction from future years because you won't be able to make that deduction the next year, the next year, the next year, the next year. But in this year, you get to use that massive amount. So let's say that um, I'm a grandfather, right? And I've got grandkids that are 10 and I want to I want to help them out. I'm very successful. Okay. Now, I happen to know that this is the last year I'm going to work. I'm going to retire next year. Let's say I'm a high income earning individual. So I make $450,000 this year. Next year, I'm going to retire. And I'm assuming that income is going to drop to, let's say, $150,000. Next year, that tax deduction is not going to be as valuable for me as it is this year. So I might choose to pre, pre-fund or pre-load right, that 529 plan or whatever number of 529 plans I have so that I can take advantage of, I can essentially take next year's deduction and apply it to this year because my income is so much higher this year. Uh, so that I can reduce my income from $450,000 that I'm paying taxes on down to let's say 200, right? If I want to put in $250,000. And then next year, I still might be able to contribute some if I didn't max out, but I don't need to, to uh, deduct as much because my income is going to be so much lower next year because I plan to retire anyway. Oh, that's smart. Does that kind of make sense? So it that, that's one like edge case. There are, I mean, you do this long enough, taxes are like fingerprints. They're unique to everybody. Mm-hmm. So there are an infinite number of scenarios I can come up with that, you know, where, where this would come into play. But that's just one example to kind of tell you why it's something to be aware of. Yeah. And we should say that if anybody, any listeners out there have any questions about their own specific tax situation, you can actually talk to Adam. They're not trying to do a shameless promotion, but, you know, Adam has been doing this for a while, Michael too. So, you know, be sure to email us at podcast at assetbuilder.com and we'll get you in contact and maybe can clear some of the mud. Absolutely. So Michael, fill us in on the maximum contributions to 529s in Texas. Sure. So there's a, there's a limit to what you can contribute uh, for any particular beneficiary. And that amount is $370,000. That means you can have multiple plans, uh, but the limit of all those plans cannot exceed uh, $370,000. Now that, that's the limit on contributions. Obviously, uh, you know, you can have growth in there, um, but $370,000 uh, seems like it should be enough to pay for college and, you know, possibly grad school. Uh, maybe if you went to medical school, you'd start to run out of money, but that's actually seems like a fairly generous uh, limit. Mm-hmm. Um I do believe that there are some limits uh, across state lines. So, for instance, if you had uh, 529 plans that were opened and pertinent or relevant, used going to be used to pay for uh, a beneficiary in another state, so there are sometimes unique laws uh, that allow people to means test across state lines. Those are pretty specific cases. Um, so if if there's a specific question that somebody had, um, probably better to talk about those one-on-one. Uh, yep. But generally, that's the Texas limit. And I will say it's going to vary by state. So, Right. Yep. And just to clarify, because I, I know it might sound confusing because, you know, I just got done saying, you know, this hypothetical grandparent set could put in $750,000 in one year. And then Michael just said, well, 
the max limit is 370,000. But the the thing to note there is that $370,000 limit, that's tied to one beneficiary, mm-hmm. right? So that one beneficiary, he can have mul- he or she can have multiple 529s, but all of them together for that beneficiary, have to, you can no longer make contributions once the total reaches 370K. Right. The figure I threw out, that was for multiple grandchildren, assumingly none of which would, would be reaching that limit. Right. So I just want to point that out that, you know, these figures do do uh, do check out, but it can be a little bit confusing based on those guidelines. So I feel like we got through the basics. Uh, did we explain that clearly? Was that good? I well, hope so. It, it's a quirky, it, it's a quirky topic, yeah. um, especially if I mean, to really understand 529s, it kind of presupposes that you have a basic understanding of, you know, tax deferral and. Earnings versus principal, all that kind of stuff. So it, it can definitely be confusing. But um, again, that's why you know I would encourage you if you do have any questions or anything like that about this topic or anything else, please check the show notes. Michael mentioned you can get those at askthebutter.com slash podcast. And you can also email Michael or myself or Jared. Jared, you know, if you got some civil war questions, <laughs> uh, you, you can contact us at podcast at assetbutter.com. We've been, you know, that's really been gaining gaining traction lately. We've been getting a lot of a lot of emails coming in. We love getting those, whether it's questions about this, you know, suggestions for topics, things that you guys would be interested in. So please don't hesitate to reach out to us there. Well, I was going to say uh, another thing is we've we really have focused here on five twenty nine plans, but there are other uh, options that are available. And uh, one of the things that I like to send people there's a fidelity. Uh, Fidelity has some good material on how to choose what's right for you. So if you're if you're thinking about, well, do I want my kids, you know, my kids, we all have different situations. And some of our kids, you're like, yeah, I'm sure that kid's going to college. And some kids are like, I don't know, college might not be the right choice for them. Um, and so just as you go through kind of this decision matrix of what's the best way to save, uh, they've got some good material uh, that we can send you for um, helping to make that decision. Well said. And speaking of fidelity, we have a true or false competition coming up. Oh, just I love true it. or false? Oh yeah. Okay. It's true or false? Yeah, it's true. It's just true or false. So uh, I'm going to say the question, and then your buzzword to offer your answer is your own name. Or it'd be funny if we did the opposite names. Now let's not do that. It's too confusing. Uh, that'd be confusing. <laughs> I, I, I can only think about one thing at a time. So I'll think about, it's easier for me to think of my own name than Michael's. Okay. Do we true. Uh, true. Question true. And we should put some sweet, like, music in the background for this. That seems like something you'd be really well positioned for, Jared. You're the music dude. True that. Yeah. Why don't you write some theme show music? Da, na, na, na. Like that competes with that. You know, I uh, I wrote the ending or the uh, theme song to this back in the day. Do you know that? Yeah, I did. I, it's I very did. good. So I'm just saying, why can't you update it? All right. Uh, okay, so I just have five questions. So we will uh, we'll find a clear winner here. So, all right. So we're going to ask you five true or false questions. First one to answer correctly gets a point. So you guys ready for question number one? Let's yes. do this. True or false, saving in a 529 plan account could severely limit your financial aid. Michael. Michael. Mm. 
What was that? I would, I would say false. He, he, he was so fast. <laughs> I would Why? say false. Why? Why would I say that? Yeah. You like, can't if, just if, say chance. Yes. Uh, well, because I, I, I would think that financial aid is going to be means tested based on uh, things other than whether or not you saved. I don't think you're going to get penalized. I mean, it would seem like we'd be penalizing people then for saving for college. I'm going to say true. It is false. Um, um, right. I, I, I threw out a true because just knowing, I mean, I haven't really looked at this deeply since I went to school, but I mean, it's so tied to income. You would think that, well, income and savings rate are probably pretty correlated. So wouldn't be that far of a, far of a jump, but okay. So, false. Good. Okay. I'm glad to hear that. All right. So the answer is false. So here's the explanation as provided by Fidelity. So in a parent owned 529 plan, assets are considered a parental asset and are factored into federal financial aid formulas at a maximum rate at 5.6%. So that means that up to 5.6% of the 529 assets are included in the expected family contribution known as the EFC that is calculated during the federal financial aid process. As a point of comparison, student-owned assets are assessed as rates as high as 20%. Does that make any sense to you guys? Yes, so it basically did, saying also, it's, it's more beneficial for you. In other words, I think that makes the answer true, in my opinion. I was going to say that would make it sound like it is something that is considered. It's just considered at a lower rate than actual assets. So wait oh, a minute. right. I think it, I know why. Because in the question so, it says it can severely limit financial aid. So maybe it's the answer is it's not severe, but it can limit it a well, little bit. In other words, 5.6% of more is more than 5.6% of less. So the more 529 savings my parents have for me, the less financial aid I'm going to get. Right. Well, so I would look at it a different way. I would think it would be <laughs> saying if you have assets. Better to have it in the 529. Better to have it in the 529. So uh, in other words, you're going to yeah, have the assets yeah, 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 somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Okay. okay. Good point. Okay. Although we don't know if that's what it's trying to say. Right. Well, what would you say? You would say that's true. It's better to have it in a 529. Yes, yeah. I right. would say it's true. Okay. So wait, who do I award that point to then? I think that's a team point. We really worked that one out together. I feel like we should all take a third of a point and just be happy. <laughs> oh, I'm Jared, in on this. Jared also gets a point. Yeah. Jared gets a point for Proctor. Wow. Thank Seems you. Seems fair. All right, question number two. Well, this isn't much of a... All right, never mind. Okay, so question number two. True or false? I will lose the money if my child doesn't go to college or gets a scholarship and doesn't need all the money. Michael. Oh, Ooh, that was actually... I think that I think that was Michael. Yeah. He still talked first. Go ahead, okay. Michael. I'll take Adam's answer of false. It is false. Okay, so you don't lose unused money in a 529 plan. The money can still be used for post-secondary education for another beneficiary who is quali- who is a qualified family member, such as a younger sibling, niece, nephew, grandchildren, or even yourself. You can withdraw the amount of any scholarship awards from your 529 without penalty. Federal and state income taxes on the earnings still apply. And then it kind of goes on after that. Is that right? Fair enough? That's correct. Yep. Yeah. So worst okay. case, you just lose some of the tax, tax benefits and the tax shelter nature of it. <laughs> but you're not going to lose the money. Right. Okay, question number three. So that's Michael 1.3 now. I have 1.3333 technically. So my point three three. All right, let's do it. (laughs) All right, question number three. Can I pick a 529 plan offered by any state? 
Yes, Michael. Adam, true. <laughs> I'll give it to Adam. <laughs> I still said Adam first. Yeah. <laughs> I still said Adam first. Let's go. I got one. And we already said that, but Michael, go ahead and I mean, I'm sorry, Adam, go ahead and reiterate. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's just pretty much straightforward. The rule is you're allowed to go to any state that you want, regardless of residency, um, as long as you like the, the plan. So this says you can use up to $10,000 from a 529 account each year per beneficiary on elementary, middle, or high school tuition. At the post-secondary level, money saved in a 529 plan can be used for a variety of higher education-related expenses, tuition fees, room, board, books and supplies and computers and related equipment. And let me just say this, that that list gets updated all the time. So make yep. sure to check on that. So this this is as of the writing of this article. So yep. make sure to check that. Okay. That was an Adam. So 1.3 to 1.3 to 0.3. This is question number four. Are you all ready? Ready. Good point. True or false, only parents can open a 529 Michael. college savings account. <laughs> that is false. Okay, go ahead. That's false. Even Adam, even Adam, even Adam <laughs> said. <laughs> Adam's examples of rich no. grandparents. It's even terrible. Adam, even Adam is an uncle. Even you, Jared, as a single person with no children, could contribute to Adam's children's education. Mm -hmm. It's true. And if you'd like to, we'd be more than thrilled. <laughs> Adam will send the information. That's a great Just idea. contact Michael. us through the podcast notes. Yeah. <laughs> you know where to find me. He'll uh, have his Bitcoin, his Bitcoin uh, account listed in the, in the yeah. notes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, final question. Adam's winning by 2.3. Michael at 1.3. No, Michael's yeah. winning 2.3 to 1.3. Oh, yeah, my bad. Last question, true or false? I can't save enough to make a difference. Adam, false. A Adam. <laughs> is that <laughs> a weird, trick question? It's a weird one. Yeah, so it is false in their explanation is consistently saving small am amounts can add up over time. So that's literally the method for 99.9% .9 of people, right? Very can few people can just put hundred K into an account to invest. It's the monthly, it's the things you preset. I was at the bank the other day, right. they had a sign all about, Hey, take advantage of the auto save feature, go to the app. And I'm like, man, I wish I could just have that like on a t-shirt with everybody that I meet mm -hmm. in meetings. It is the the way to save. It's never going to feel substantial, okay? But over mm -hmm. long amounts of time, those little things add up to something very substantial. So on a technicality, I would challenge that question. Read the question again. True or false, I can't save enough money to make a difference. I cannot save enough money to make a difference. Okay. That, that uh, yeah. Is I That's thought weird. I was going to say you can definitely you can definitely not save enough money. Put a penny in and it won't make a difference. But that's not in the spirit of what you're trying to ask. Yeah, I understand. And we will give Adam some points for that. Although a full point is rather generous. Well, so we all learned saving. something. So 529s, are, would you say that they're just whether they're good or not? kind of depends on the person would you say that adam absolutely it's like it's like the things we always talk about okay we're never recommending this to everyone or no one we right. just want to make people aware of them it's another tool in the toolbox to reach the goal you're trying to reach so educate yourselves about it contact us we're more than happy to help um, but be aware of it because it's a powerful tool
Michael, anything to add? I was. I, I agree with Adam. I think one of the key things is for any financial goal, start with your goal. Uh, you got to know what you're aiming for. So, um, you know, if, if you start with the goal, you're going to find the right tools. Uh, and you can work with somebody or you can do it alone, depending on what your you know financial fluency is. Um, but setting a goal, understanding what you're aiming for is really key before you start deciding, hey, what tool should I use? Well said. Perfect. All right, guys. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. All right. Thanks, Jared. Thanks. If you have a question for either Michael or Adam concerning this topic or anything else, please visit assetbuilder.com slash podcast. There you can find their contact information as well as the show notes for every single episode. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not to be construed as an offer, solicitation, recommendation, or endorsement of any particular security, product, or service. For more information, visit assetbuilder.com.